0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: Well, as we mentioned uh, yesterday on the show, uh, there has been quite a bit of conversation surrounding what happened in Charlottesville over the weekend Uh The events in Charlottesville are having a greater impact on the business community in a short period of time. Already, several CEOs have decided to leave President Trump's Manufacturing Council. Meanwhile, a couple of people at the rally amongst the white supremacists have been fired from their jobs for participating. And it is an interesting question of protecting one's brand, at least for the companies, that they are taking on. To take a look at these moves by companies, we are joined by Wharton Marketing Professor Americus Reed who you may also know, uh, hosts Marketing Matters here on SiriusXM 111, and also by Jeff Sonnenfeld, who's a Senior Associate Dean for Leadership Studies at Yale University. It's been too long, America. <laughs> all yeah, of, a whole 24 a whole hours, All 24 hours. Great <laughs> yeah, right. to have you back with us. Thank Jeff, you. great to have you back as well.
0: Uh, thanks. It's great to rejoin you.
1: Thank you. Uh, Jeff, I guess let's start with the moves surrounding the Manufacturing Council and the CEOs stepping away. Any
0: surprise to you? Uh, I tell you, what's most surprising to me, <clears throat> and uh, if, if we were not on on a, uh, uh, announcing this to the world, I would say it to you privately. <clears throat> I'm shocked that the business roundtable has been so extraordinarily mute, in particular just among we friends, your listeners and, and us. Is where is Jamie Dimon's Clarion call? Jamie Dimon, the CEO, of course, of J.P. Morgan Chase, is uh, the nation's most feared and revered, uh, or the world's most feared and revered financier. Somebody who's been through ups and downs and back ups again, uh, and downs and ups back each time. He's been incredibly resilient, and uh, honest, forthright, and a uh, extraordinary opinion leader. He also chairs the Business Roundtable. That he's sitting by mutely is is astounding especially in the face of one of only three Fortune 500 CEOs who happens to be African-American that had the courage to take a position, uh, based on his convictions, to step off one of these councils and to have the president attack this guy, Ken Fraser of Merck, Uh, and to the really loyal Wharton listeners then to know that this guy is from the the, uh, gang-infested streets of North Philadelphia. It's an incredible American success story. And for them not to respond, that's my surprise.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, people are nervous in the sense that, you know, I think this is a call to basically take some sort of stand with respect to, you know, well, what are your beliefs and what are you going to stand for? This is a relatively newish kind of thing for CEOs to even. I mean, usually when you look back and. You know, a couple years ago, we didn't even know these people's names.
1: Well, yeah, you know? and in many cases, they're not a- at the touch point yeah. where they have
2: to make this decision. That's right. And but now it's in this day and age of social media, that's part of the skill set is to come out and communicate. Well, what are the beliefs of this organizational culture that produces the products and services for that company? I, I guess to a
1: degree, it is also a little surprised, Jeff, that that Under Armour, Kevin Plank, made the move that he did because Kevin Plank has come out in the Interviews yeah. and been supportive of President Trump, yeah. yet he also has had the issues within his own company. Yeah. Steph Curry, who plays in the NBA for the Golden State Warriors, has made it well known or made it well known in the past his thoughts on Plank supporting Trump. And, and uh, Ke- uh, Steph Curry pl- applauded this move on social media the other day. Mm-hmm. So I think it caught a little p- some people off guard that, that Kevin Plank made this move, Jeff.
0: Uh, it maybe it, it did. Kevin Plank uh, did get a lot of blowback for being publicly supportive of this, decidedly, uh, or at least the the image of being a, a very pro-business commander in chief. Somebody who is the the first CEO, unless you count Harry Truman as a as a former haberdasher, is really the first business leader uh, to become a commander in chief. People were enthusiastic about that, but that also includes some who've been walking off the board or been critical right now, such as Ken Fraser of Merck. Ken Fraser was also very supportive uh, uh, once the president uh, stepped into office. That uh, and uh, they had high hopes on a lot of uh, economic change that was going to come their way. They aren't seeing a lot of it happen. Uh, they're seeing a lot of uh, brush fires, uh, a lot of these. Mm. Uh, uh unplanned or you know forced errors uh, uh, and the self-immolation has thrown many of them off but uh I, I, none of these people were trump det- detractors that, that joined the board and uh they always uh, joined these boards with a sense of patriotism and enthusiasm so uh, but they are they are leaving uh, discouraged, and those that are staying are, are very guarded right now. J- just since mid uh, uh, afternoon yesterday till now, I've heard from 27 Fortune 500 CEOs. Uh, some deciding that they are leaving, and some not sure. But 100% of them saying that their boards are in active debate. Some are having ad hoc yeah. conference call boards. Uh, we, we've never had something like this. I had uh, something close to this. After the fall of Lehman, I heard from so many CEOs at once, and we actually pulled some last-minute forums together to debate what to do. But it's extremely, un, uh, you know, uncommon experience. Well,
1: that was going to be my question. I wanted to get your opinion on whether or not the decisions by people like Kevin Plank and, and Mr. Frazier were the decisions that they made themselves or whether or not this was coming from the board of directors saying hey listen you got to get out of this we do not want you to have any part of this what do you it, what, i mean obviously it's the boards that are that are having some input here
0: well, you know, I I don't want to to hog this one. I just want to jump in on that. You you, you mentioned uh, uh, Steph and the Warriors. Uh, if this is a jump ball, I'll back off. But if you're catching <laughs> it up there, I'll grab it. Is I, I think that right now the CEOs are 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 the initiators, uh, but very soon we're seeing the boards take control. The boards are seeing that a lot of their CEOs are looking for guidance. In the case of Ken. Fraser of Merck for example he did test the waters with his board but these are not shareholder referendums that are driving these moral positions.
2: Yeah, I think it's a pretty interesting point that's being made here because you know the CEO is is the figurehead, right? The is the person who sets the tone much like one would think the commander in chief would do as well. And you, you know w- you would hope. You would hope, right? right? And you know everything is being scrutinized, everything is being watched. Everyone wants to know, what do you stand for? And everything is being interpreted, right? Words are being interpreted. What's not being said is being interpreted. Silence is being interpreted. And so it's a a pretty extraordinary moment in time, I think, where companies are out there and are basically being pressured to to basically justify what it is that they're going to do and, and where they're going to align their company's values and beliefs. And this is a pretty remarkable thing to see. Eight four four nine four two seven
1: eight six six is the number. If you'd like to join in and uh, give us your comments, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Do you expect Jeff that we will see more CEOs uh, of the of either the manufacturing council or or other councils that uh, President Trump has put together? Uh, will they make the move? Do you expect this to be start of a kind of a mass exodus at this point? Uh,
0: I think. Uh Trump is probably not going to triple down on some of his miscues with yet a uh, another uh, equivocation of white nationalism with uh, violent uh, clashes with uh, people's su- protests.
1: Are you sure of that? No, of course not. Right, exactly. His,
0: his own staff has no idea, so how could I claim to know better? Uh, but, but presuming that, that he doesn't try a third uh, bite at the apple here, uh, I, I think that we'll see CEOs continue to try the engagement policy. If if there's another hit, I think we're going to see a, a mass exodus. Mm. Uh, and I, I believe a number of CEOs are, are begging him and General Kelly to try to mute these tweets. Mm-hmm. However, I heard that last night from a number of very prominent CEOs, and either they were just joking with me, or it had no effect, because we saw already this morning the broadside attack on Amazon. And then the explanation that these companies who have left mm-hmm. his boards are because they're embarrassed that they're manufacturing
2: abroad, huh? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Th- these Trump luxury goods are, are manufactured abroad. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's. I don't know. I is it rats leaving the sinking ship? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen here. I do know that in psychology, there's a concept called social proof, which means that once one person kinds of kind of makes a stand, it's it's much easier for the n plus one. Person to sure. to do it, obviously, because you know it's a growing kind of escalation or snowballing effect of social influence and pressure. The so. other
1: interesting thing that I mentioned at the top, which I get your opinion on in Jeff's as well, America's, is the fact that. In this age of social media and with so many pictures being out there of of all the people that were involved in this, I've seen at least two instances, one being a teacher, where they lost their job Mm -hmm. because they were at that protest in support uh, of the neo-Nazis or the white separatists. And the companies, being private companies, said, you know what? We don't want you anymore. You've made
2: your opinions known uh, of how you feel and you're done you're yeah. out which they have the right to do they have the right to do that i think that's absolutely correct it's uh, it's about values right for companies organizations institutions what do you what do you stand for and you know there's a famous uh, ted talk uh, by a guy named simon sinek and he said that people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it and so this notion of well, what is it that you stand for and is that misaligned with the things that i care about is a very important issue for lots and lots of consumers
0: there's definitely a lot of personal identification. Marcus is right, how, how people will feel if they are represented. The whole notion of, of branding is a certain uh, a notion of a reflected image of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, you see people that will distance themselves from this. And I know this will sound like a tortured leap, and with the perhaps limited time we have, you'll resent me for doing this. But some would make a connection even to the Google decisions of, of oh. last week uh, You know, having to do with what sure. – fair to be said uh, online on company time that is seen as socially hostile even if it's a freedom of speech issue of course it had to do with uh, much uh, you know in comparison to this much milder but still quite upsetting issues having to do with with gender and if, if women um, have the have the biological uh, composition to be able to h- handle programming when of course some of our, our, our greatest computer scientists have been women fighting inc- incredible uh, discrimination over time and as we know Google made the decision no that's not part of our culture and they're I think entitled to make that decision
1: but, Jeff, the interesting piece also to, to Charlottesville over the weekend was the move by, uh, by many of the small business owners in the Charlottesville community to either shut down because they knew potentially what was going to happen or they were very forward and put signs in their windows and say, if basically, if you support these types of groups— we don't want your business, and, and that's a that's a strong statement for a business community. Not surprising, because when you think about small business, a lot of time you have those very tight relationships because a lot of those uh, business owners feel like it's almost an all in. You we know, we're all in this together to be successful as small businesses.
0: You know, i I think that's I think that's exactly right. I mean. Uh, for heaven's sakes even the Boy Scouts of America uh it 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 took them two days but they came out with a rebuke of the president right. and they, they managed to say this is this is not what this organization stands for. We're not a political organization but they're, they're you know, a, a century old organization, but they've got They've got 80 people on their board. You'd think it would be impossible for them to make a decision, and yet they 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 were quite nimble in contrast to the collective voice of the American business community. And that's that's perhaps something which we we haven't had a chance to speak about today. Is even if CEOs are afraid to are the one offs of of a Boeing versus uh, Lockheed set up, the way that the president often has these pairings of, yeah. uh, of of playing one off against the other, the divine conquer scheme, Boeing versus Lockheed, Ford GM, Pfizer versus Merck, Rubio versus Cruz, <laughs> China versus Russia, uh, <laughs> is uh, that collective voice, collective action is the answer to that. That's what undermines it, is uh, that's why we have these trade associations. That's why in the last yeah. 15 years, we've seen this sevenfold increase in expenditures going to these advocacy groups, where are they? They provide cover. They can hide under the skirts of the Chamber of Commerce or the Business Roundtable or the National Association of Manufacturers or whomever. Instead, they're quiet.
1: Well, and to a degree, Americus, we're starting to see these types of reactions from, from city governments. Obviously, mm-hmm. the decision by Charlottesville to, to remove the statue of Robert E. Lee is one thing. City of Baltimore, mm-hmm. last night, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. takes yes. four Confederate statues down. Yep. And had them out before people woke up this morning. I mean, talk about yeah. a
2: strong move by the city of Baltimore. It's a super strong move, Dan. And as Jeff is saying as well, it's it's all of these things are interconnected. And so you can think about these cities cities are brands. And so, you know, there's money to be lost if the country perceives cities as, well, you know what, I don't want to go there and spend money. Yeah. Uh, you know, and from and the from the point of view of a tourist perspective and things of that nature. So, they got to do something well, about we that. Well, we saw that with North Carolina with HP2 yeah. and mm-hmm. all the blowback that they got with that. Mm-hmm. Lots of lost money and sometimes yeah. you 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 ask yourself, you know, how much of this is being driven by authentic moral concerns versus pure kind of economic uh concerns, you yeah. know. It's an interesting sort of question to ponder. Well, Jeff, how well, do you the respond the
0: to it? have had long-standing uh... problem solving positions you can't even tell in most cases who's democrat or or republican these days could be the the mayors of of Albuquerque, of uh, uh, let's say, as a Republican, or Oklahoma City have positions that are absolutely identical. To the mayors of uh, Louisville and Lexington, Kentucky, that are uh, Democrats, you you can't tell them apart. They're problem solvers. Laguardia used to say in New York, "There's no such thing as a Republican or Democrat sewer." These guys are fixing problems, and <laughs> they're they're fantastic urban CEOs. Ought to be saluted. They transcend ideology, and and many of them, like you know, Jim Gray of Lexington and Greg Fisher of of Louisville, have been on a campaign of taking down these Confederate statues for a while yeah. a lot of them of course are have been weirdly recent constructions that they, they they don't date back to the Confederacy they somehow they've crept in and like the Confederate symbol and a lot of southern flags came in as a result of the yeah. 1954 Brown decision having no direct link to the confederacy
1: the, the the reaction of some of the companies that and that were even kind of on the on the edges uh, of what happened there. The, the company that made the tiki torches that, you know, where yeah. the protesters went to yeah. the, you know, they devout, they yeah. came out strong against yeah. what was done. Did
0: you see Stephen Colbert's comment on that, which is fantastic. They said even a, ba- a, a backyard decoration maker has the, the backbone to tell us what's <laughs> right and wrong.
1: Well, and, and th- then there's also <laughs> oh, the fact good. that, uh, Jeff, the Detroit Red Wings, there was somebody in the crowd that, I guess, had readjusted a Detroit Red Wings oh. jersey, uh-huh. and they were basically making the jersey to look right wing okay and the detroit red wings came Came out out and said no and and said no we do not support this in fact they are potentially looking at maybe filing some sort of suit against the people that were doing this because it's an infringement of their trademark
2: it's absolutely their logo it's incredible that this co-opting of products and services logos Uh, images, I mean, companies are very, very concerned about this because they make a decision when they create a product or a service that we want to sell to a certain segment, Right. and, you know, that means we're not going to try to sell to other segments, and so if there are negative things associated with one segment, they're going to make sure, because if you think about it, it takes a long time to to create and nurture the right sort of brand equity around a company or a service or product that you create, and so that can be undermined very quickly if you don't, you know, get out ahead of these kinds of things. Jeff?
0: Oh no, I, I agree. They've got to they've got to move uh, swiftly and, and stand for something. Something that Americas was saying earlier, how easy it is when some of these leaders uh, take a stand, that others will then follow. You remember the famed Milgram studies, mm-hmm. and how people would get caught up in these obedience studies by doing the wrong thing because somebody in authority told them to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you'd find in group settings where those sort of things happen, is that people will will fight. Uh, that that cognitive consistency, or they'll they'll fight the distortion. If somebody else sets a model, you, you know, in Panama City, Florida, on the Fourth of July of this summer, there was a family of uh, of uh, five stranded out, drawn away by a riptide that pulled them out, and they're drowning, and including the grandmother had a heart attack out there. Four rescuers ran off the beach to try, and they were hapless rescuers. They got swept out by the same current. 80 people uh, were watching on the beach nobody knew what to do the police were there with vans there were no rescue vehicle, you know vessels there so a woman comes along uh, and says this is this is not going to happen today and she bonded together these 80 people total strangers across race and religion and mm-hmm. gender ethnicity and they formed a human chain to save every one of these now then nine uh, drowning people is that that's what it takes is for somebody you know to to act as a leader and, and you look for their role model and then people fall in line and do the right thing. Thing. but otherwise you know, you look at these train disasters where people get pushed on a train platform in New York City yeah. on the same train line well, you know one year 18 people watch and do nothing another year 18 people watch and help is that it takes a leader to spark the group to mm-hmm. do the right thing
1: what do you expect Jeff then to happen where these protests are concerned because if you have all of these companies coming out and saying we will not stand for this and you have obviously a large section of the public that says we will not stand for this this we talked about this in a different aspect yesterday but my concern is that this could get worse before it gets better jeff
0: uh, you know, if um, if we have uh, public fe- figures speaking out, as we have seen, many uh, pillars of not just the Democratic Party but the Republican Party last night, mm-hmm. and uh, and and major thought leaders like Charles Krauthammer going on Fox News and condemning this, as uh, saying that you know, uh, or or Lindsey Graham. Or um, or Marco Rubio, Mm -hmm. others not mincing words and actually naming the president. Then it makes a difference. These mealy mouth statements (laughs) coming out uh, is one of the the things I was hearing from many of these CEOs who contacted me over the night, or their uh, their PR people. Is these bland apple pie statements? <laughs> you know, we believe in you know in diversity mm-hmm. and hot dogs and things. Well, that's just great. That's great. But could right. you have said that a week ago, a month ago, ten right. years ago? And who cares? Tell right. me anybody in society that would disagree with that. Right. And they're not naming the names or drawing yeah. lines. So it makes a difference as what's said, not just that you 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 know get out there and, uh, uh, and 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 mumble some cliches.
2: Yeah, it's a kind of it's to Jeff's point. It's a kind of interesting tension that's going on here. I think that, you know, there's a lot of there are a lot lot of things at stake and people are trying to protect their own interests, but also come out and have some kind of statement about what it is they stand for. So what because that tension is so, I guess, potent to them, what ends up coming out is what exactly what Jeff says is kind of vanilla, sort of almost meaningless statement that's always true for anybody. Uh, Because it's so vague. But what you know, that's it's interesting because that's kind of a kind of a moral peacocking. It's like, well, I'm just going to sort of kind of uh, say something against this. But in reality, I need to be very careful because later on I may need this uh, this alignment for some other purpose. And so it's really sad to to see that people are not it. Well, it it begs the question, like, what's it going to take? For people to actually say, you know what, I've had enough. I got to come out and basically take a stand on this stuff. I,
1: I think, to a degree, what we're also seeing, and and this has been brought up before, is that we are seeing the fact that that President Trump has been in the business world and, and been, you know, in, in solely focused on that, to, you know, so much of, of his life that a lot of these other elements, he's not ready to handle them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you agree with that?
2: I agree absolutely with that. I think that a big part of the problem is. Trying to force sort of the, the, the business model of running a corporation, that business model, that paradigm onto government and not really realizing that, you know, you have to work with people, you have to collaborate, you have to negotiate, you have to bring people in. Uh, to help support what it is that you're trying to get done, you can't bully them into doing it. You can't force them. You can't insult them into doing it. The, and the psychology is very clear on that. When you do that, they go the opposite. Yeah. In terms of you know being able to to meet your goals, Jeff. I think it
0: also should be pointed out here because America's that's right, uh, but also, a lot of times we use expressions like a military model when there's a whole spectrum of different leadership models in the military from, you know, Colin Powell and Eisenhower to, to Westmoreland and Patton, you know, you got all different styles. It's similarly when the business community is not a single corporate leadership style, as you've got some autocrats, but, you, but most of them are not, and diplomacy usually carries the day in the business world, But mm-hmm. uh, and, and there's some who could move from the business world to public uh, official roles, like Michael Bloomberg as mayor, but who, who did it fairly adroitly, Mm -hmm. to the surprise of many of us. However, Donald Trump has never been a a, a corporate titan of any public company—it's a, it's a mid-sized company. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a, a Fortune 1,000 company, and the public piece of it really fell apart. And his private enterprises was, is what hung together. And that has—he uh, he has never been a the kind of corporate titan that he courts right now, and he he identifies with them. He cherishes the relationship with them. Yeah. He knew very few of them. I know this firsthand. Uh, I've mm. known Trump for about a dozen years. I was the the believe it or not the first critic of The Apprentice, and NBC had me critiquing each episode. Oh, wow. It was a pretty stormy period until, uh, you know, and he was weighing heavily on his Wharton roots during those battles in the States. Yes. Uh, But he... um, uh, he, we eventually actually became friends out of it all. When I suggested that he morph from getting these engaging young millennials and go for fallen celebrities, I got no royalties for it. But he admits now that the Celebrity <laughs> Apprentice was my idea, and I I stopped criticizing the show when he put people together who deserve it. But <laughs> uh, it, but but still, he, that leadership style is not the standard corporate leadership mm-hmm. style. And he didn't yeah. have relationships with very many of these people. He didn't know them. Mm. I, I find it
1: interesting. Get your opinion on. Uh, I mean, at some point, President Trump is going to be out of office and, and seemingly all of this is kind of building up, Jeff. And it makes me think that that whatever happens to him post White House, he's not going to have much business success, I I don't think, because of now kind of a lot of the things that he believes or, you know, he he treasures are kind of out in the public eye, maybe before you know, in your time with him, he could he could maybe cover that a little bit. He can't do that as president of the United States.
0: Well, I think that's right. That the the people who are paying the price for these golf courses at Mar-a-Lago and Briarcliff and things like that, and the luxury goods he has in mind, are are not the base that are that are his loyal support of of of, of, of twenty eight to thirty five percent of the people. So uh, for the most part. He's appealing to a, a wealthier socioeconomic bracket than are his uh, enthusiastic supporters. Out of office, you wonder, other than perhaps uh, money coming in from from um, from Asia and parts of the Middle East that might still think they're buying into a mystique. Yeah, it's not. I don't. I don't know. I defer to America's our marketing expert. I know that this is brand building uh, yeah. Yeah. in the later life for for Trump and the way he'd want to go. And had he lost, I think it could have had, a dev, dev, had would have had a devastating impact on the brands, but we didn't get the chance to see that experiment.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there is a that that's kind of what it, Jeff is talking about, a kind of strange branding irony about all this is that you know, he kind of represents himself as a man of the people. He talks in their language, right. uses the tone that really makes these people who are perhaps less socioeconomically inclined feel like there's this wow, that guy's like me. Yep. And he's the opposite, actually. You're yeah. exactly right. This was Martha <laughs> yep. Stewart, who's, who's not the same kind of person, still did the same thing as bringing class to the masses.
0: You might uh, re- uh, remember uh, uh, Thorsten Veblen talked about the, uh, the, the desire to be part of the leisure class. Uh, it was c- the conspicuous consumption, as mm-hmm. gaudy as it may seem for some. It proves you're among the elected. And that's, mm. this is, you know, we've got a century-long tradition of, of academics studying this strange fascination with how uh, we don't, we never revolted in, in the 1930s when, when one out of four Americans were out of work, uh, and there was there was no Bolshevik revolt here, because we, we, as long as somebody achieved, we didn't resent the wealthy. They achieved it honestly, and that's what Trump uh, mm. tries to preemptively suggest, that everybody else is corrupt, and here's a path that you can follow to greatness. Mm.
1: Final question, Jeff, uh, and uh, with your work that you do surrounding leadership, I would just, a lot of people when when General Kelly went in as chief of staff, a lot of people thought that— here is somebody that potentially could have quite a positive effect. There is a, a well-shown, tweeted picture of General Kelly standing yesterday at, during the press conference with his arms crossed and his head down, almost like in disgust or disbelief that this was happening. Where, if you're General Kelly, what do you do at this point?
0: Uh, well, you've got to draw a line in the sand and to say this happens again, I'm out of here. He needs to, uh, I think, lay out the ground rules even more strongly than he has. Others might wonder if he isn't the one person, since he's the only person who is a quasi-Cabinet member that actually didn't go through any kind of uh, Senate approval or anything, that he has licensed to act in a more free way, but his vote doesn't count. If, if he gets to talk to um, half of the rest of the cabinet that feels the same way he may be feeling, this, uh, this, this triggers a constitutional crisis. that They've got a lever they can threaten the president with saying, if we're not happy, half of us aren't happy. This gets thrown to the Senate for a two-thirds vote. Yeah.
1: Thank you both for your time. Jeff, I appreciate you coming on today. Great. All the best. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for being with us. America's great to see you again. Thanks, Thank as God. always.
2: I appreciate it, man.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.